0: I want to welcome you this evening, whether you're here in person or you're watching us uh, at home or online. I want to thank you for being here on Good Friday. My name is Stuart and I'm one of the pastors here at ACF Church. And uh, we are going to be doing something a little bit later in our service uh, that I want to give you a heads up on. And if you're here in person, we have a little communion cup. uh, It'll be in the seat pocket in front of you. Or if you're on one of the front rows, it'll be would have been on your seat. I hope you didn't sit on it. But we won't tell if you did. But go ahead and hang on to that. If you're at home, you can go ahead and gather up uh, some of uh, some bread or maybe a cracker, uh, whatever you've got as food to eat, and then also maybe some, some liquid as well. So you can join us uh, li- a little bit later in the service. And I'll give you a heads up when that's coming so uh, you don't need to worry. So Good Friday. It seems like a really bad name to call a day where we remember the death of Jesus. But if you know the end of the story, which we do, It makes sense, and it really is good. It's a game-changing event in the course of history, and it brings us in right relationship to God. If you haven't been with us, maybe this is your first time, or you, you haven't been with us for a little bit, we have been going through the book of Exodus, the first 12 chapters. And this is kind of a transition time as we celebrate or remember here on Good Friday. And so what we've been looking at Is God's faithfulness to his people to move them from slavery in Egypt to freedom to follow God. And last week, Pastor Josh talked about the last plague, the plague of the firstborn in Egypt. And if if you're not familiar with this, this is uh, a night where the Israelites were instructed to take a spotless lamb, sacrifice it, paint that blood on their doorposts and stay inside. The angel of death went through the nation of Egypt, the entire land, and took the firstborn of any household where that blood was not present. This is kind of of gruesome, but this is what happened. This is the Passover, and this is what we remember. And God is a good God. And he gave gave the Israelites something to remember this huge event, this earth-shattering event that took them from utter bondage under a cruel leadership of the Egyptians into freedom to follow God on their own and in their own land. So this was a huge event. So he gave them this yearly reminder where they would sacrifice a spotless lamb and repeat a ceremony so that they would remember the goodness of God. And as we come together tonight to remember Good Friday, we're reminded that just before Jesus is led away to be betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified on a cross just outside Jerusalem, that he eagerly looked forward to taking communion, to eating the last supper, the last Passover that he would eat with his best friends here on earth. And we read about it in Mark, and so we're going to start there this evening. Mark chapter 14, and it says this, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so at a typical Passover, there are very specific food elements that take place, and they're all designed to look back at the Exodus event, back at the Passover event that allowed them to experience freedom from the Egyptians. And it also looked forward to the coming of a Savior. And I want to talk tonight not about the food elements, but about the four cups that are observed and taken at the Passover meal. So each cup has a name that communicates a key truth about God to his people. And the key truths come from a passage in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. And it reads this. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And so through the book of Exodus, if we were to continue to read, you would see that God fulfills each of these promises he makes to the people who are currently in slavery as we read that passage. The first cup, the cup of sanctification, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Sanctification means set apart, brought out. That's exactly what he did. Just before the fourth plague, the plague of the swarm of flies, if you were to read back and see what that was, God makes this statement in Exodus 8.22. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus, I will put a division between my people and your people. From that point on, the Israelites would no longer suffer any of the plagues that the Egyptians were being, being judged under. God had made a distinction. He had sanctified his people. The second cup, the cup of deliverance, sometimes called the cup of judgment. And I love it because it accomplishes two things. God, through the plagues in Egypt, was judging the, the Egyptians and Pharaoh for their cruel and harsh treatment of the people of Israel and for following other gods. But he was using the plagues to deliver his people from their bondage. We read about it in Exodus twelve thirty one. And I love this because this is right after Pharaoh had said to Moses, you will never see my face again. And then the plague of the Passover, the the firstborn comes, and this is what happens in the middle of the night. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from among my people, both you and your people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said, take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. He's like, get out of here for goodness sake. That's what he's saying. Just get out of my land. And this is the moment really where Pharaoh is humbled before God. And he, I think, has the first notion that he may not be more powerful than Yahweh God. The cup of redemption, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Redemption can be a mysterious word, I think, sometimes, but I like these definitions I saw. It's to reclaim what was yours all along. It's the idea to get get back what was once yours to begin with. A price is paid and you get back what you already owned. Exodus twelve forty four or 41 says this, At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. God has redeemed what was his all along. And I love the, the scene coming out of Egypt. God leads them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud of smoke by day, so they know where to go. And he doesn't lead them, it says, the easy way, the quick way. He leads them, Really, it seems like into a trap. He leads them up against the Red Sea. The Egyptians then wake up and change their mind and decide to come and let's go get our people back. They're our labor. So they come up against them and they're trapped. And God, in that moment, moves from in front of them, leading them to defending what is his between him and the Egyptians. God protects what he has already redeemed. God fights for his people. And if you know the end of the story or the continuation of that story, God opens up the Red Sea, Israel goes through, and when God releases the protection, the Egyptians follow him into the Red Sea and closes the Red Sea on top of them, and that's the last that Israel would see the land of Egypt. He had redeemed his people. The cup of praise, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. Sometimes called the cup of restoration. What can you do when God has given you reason to celebrate? But celebrate, they were free. And so in Exodus 15, verses one and two, we read really the start of a rather long song. It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea the lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation this is my god and i will praise him my fathers god and i will exalt him god had made a promise to abraham so many years before that your descendants i will bless them but they will spend 400 years serving a nation in a nation that was not their own And this was the moment that God had promised to bring them out. This was that moment, and they knew it, and they were praising God for it. So each of the four cups that are taken during Passover at different times, before, during, and after the meal, represent these truths to remind the nation of Israel. For those people who were present, that actually went through that event, those who would be born to them in generations to come, and us... And so we look back at those cups, but we also know as we turn our focus to Good Friday, as Jesus was eating, eagerly waiting to eat this Passover meal with his disciples, it was not a coincidence. These cups not only point back, but they also point forward to a Savior. And Jesus was making that connection as he ate Passover supper with his disciples. The cup of sanctification boldly speaks of the separation that occurs in us from death and sin to life and holiness. This is the work of God. It's not by our work. It's God's work. God declares us sanctified. It's a positional statement of fact. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, His perfection covers our sin. Hebrews 10.10 and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all god separated out the people of israel then and he separates out the followers of jesus today the cup of deliverance and or judgment speaks of the two accomplishments that the accomplishments that were accomplished by the death of christ on the cross the first Jesus' death fully satisfied God's complete wrath and judgment of our sins. And second, this judgment laid on Jesus delivers us from death to life. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The third cup, the cup of redemption, shows us God has reclaimed what was his all along. He's taken us from slaves to ourselves, slaves to sin, slaves to death, and brought us to himself as servants of God, servants of righteousness, and servants of life. Galatians 3 tells us this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The price paid during a Passover supper for all the years, 1500 years BC to the time of Jesus Christ was a Passover lamb each family would, would give up that. That was the cost of redemption. The price hasn't changed, but for Christ, it's a once sacrifice for all, the Lamb of God, once for all of us. The final cup, the cup of praise, leads us to worship and praise our God, who has been so kind to us. We've been given new life and adopted as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, that cannot change. Knowing what's coming on Easter, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what can we do but worship and praise our God for the freedom and life he gives? First Peter 1 says this, Blessed be the God of our, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If we had time to read the accounts of the Passover supper that Jesus had with his disciples, you would see that the cup that Jesus used when he was making the covenant in his blood, the new covenant that he talks about, that we celebrate as the Lord's Supper, that we celebrate with the the wine and the bread, would be the cup of redemption, the third cup. And if this is the case, what Jesus is boldly proclaiming is that I am the Passover lamb sacrificed for you. Now you may be asking, if you're OCD, what's up with the fifth cup? I can count. I just wanted to make you uncomfortable for a little while. So the fifth cup in a Passover, Seder, and Seder just means order. It's a Jewish word that means order. So there's a bunch of things that they do in order. And one of the things they do is they pour a cup for... Elijah, so they call it the Elijah cup, and they don't drink this one. You may be thinking, yes, there's a lot of wine at a Passover, um, but the Elijah cup. So for the Israelites, they were looking forward to Elijah coming because it had been prophesied that Elijah would show up before Jesus Christ or before the Messiah, before the Christ would come. And Jesus boldly proclaims, "He came." And he says it in Matthew eleven thirteen. He says, For all the prophets and the law prophesies until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So he came in the spirit and power of Elijah to usher in the Christ, Jesus, the Passover lamb, sacrificed for us. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. And this is going to be the first time we've done this in over a year in this building. And I I am super excited to do this with you guys. I am super excited. And I hope through the cups, for me, it enlightened and deepened my understanding of something I had grown up with in the church, known as communion or the Lord's Supper. And I'm like, it's not a very big supper, but it was part of, a larger meal together to remember and to look forward to. As we look forward to his imminent return. So you can locate your communion cup and I'm going to give you a hint here. The first time I did this, I ripped the entire top off and the wafer was stuck in there and then I had an open cup of juice. So carefully peel that little top plastic thing off which will get you your, your wafer right there. So you want to hang on to that first. So in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In a traditional Passover, they would end it typically by singing or reciting psalms. And one of the psalms that comes up is a a responsive reading psalm, and it's Psalm 136. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to read a line, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat the same line every time I read a line. And the line is, it should be on the screen, For his steadfast love endures forever. That was pretty good. Let's try it one more time. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone to him who alone does great wonders in, great. in him who by understanding made the heavens the to him who spread out the earth above the waters, the to, him the above the waters. The to him who made the great lights great. the the sun to rule over the day. The, the moon and stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. to him who divided the red sea in two and made israel pass through the midst of it but overthrew pharaoh and his and his host in the red sea and led and who led his people through the wilderness to him who struck down great kings Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel his servant. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state, and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh, give thanks to the God of heaven. Steadfast love endures forever. Remember, Jesus sanctifies, he delivers, he redeems, and he is worthy of our praise. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your great love for us. Your love that has been demonstrated by Jesus Christ coming in the flesh living on this earth, interacting with us, showing us an example of the God who loves us dearly and sacrificing himself as the spotless lamb of God in our place, taking upon himself all of your wrath. Lord, there is no greater demonstration of love than that. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But Lord, you offered it. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that 3,500 years ago you saw fit to give us an example of what would take place 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ gave his life on a cross for us. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.